0: Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century, right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler, Steve Russell, as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world.
1: Hey, welcome to our show today. This is Steve Russell, your host for Christian Living That Counts. Our listeners are living renewed lives and making a difference in a broken world. Today we're going to be talking about how Christians face challenges in their lives you know this is a topic that uh, everyone should be interested in and and everyone has their own way of doing it, hopefully, and are doing it successfully. but Christians are, are a little different we we are no different in the sense we have challenges, but we're very different in the way that we face them uh, so to open up today's show and to begin to address those and, and examine uh, the way that Christians face challenges let's let's talk first of all about what types challenge of challenges come into our lives. And I I certainly won't attempt to give any kind of exhaustive list today because that would wear out uh, several hours of of talk time. Rather than do that, I want to just look at a a few of them as examples. But one type of challenge that I think uh, everyone is aware of, and when we talk about a challenged person Most of our minds go immediately to the idea of some type of physical challenge, um, that there might be some type of uh, physical disability or injury or something like that. And actually, a little bit later in the show today, we're going to bring on someone who overcame about as extreme physical challenge as you could possibly imagine. But uh, it is a a challenge oftentimes that we face, and it's not one that we just face once. Sometimes we uh, go through a series of times of illnesses. Um, They may be major, they may be minor, uh, but even the minor ones can get us down and cause us to lose the focus of the day. So physical challenges are are very, very real to all of us um, at one time or another in our lives. Another type of challenge might be something we just call financial or economic Uh, This could be a person whose economic circumstances are not favorable and they need to overcome debt. They need to make some money to uh, be able to have certain opportunities. Uh, But there's a barrier out there, a challenge, if you will, to have the financial resources to live their lives in a way that uh, they can anywhere from survive to thrive. So there are certainly financial challenges that come to all of us. Uh, Sometimes they are planned ones, uh, such as a college education Uh, having children, buying a home, uh, buying an automobile. And other times there are unplanned ones, uh, such as uh, accidents or some type of uh, physically destructive weather comes in, and all of a sudden we were faced with a major car repair, a major home repair, something like that. So financial challenges are very real, again, typically to most of us who don't have inexhaustible resources of money. Another type of challenge might be educational. Um, some people uh, do not come from a background uh, of family education, and therefore you you hear all the time uh, the heroic story of of uh, persons who are the first of their families to graduate from college and that sort of thing and so you, you there are there, educational challenges are very very real, even getting to that educational challenge we talked about a minute ago is is part financial uh, as well as it could be just simply academic. Some people have to try harder. Uh, to get through the educational process. And so there are a number of hurdles. And, and I guess this brings up the point that uh, we all start with a certain amount of resources to face our challenges, but if they are challenges, then it requires more than the resources we have. So uh, whether it's a background, whether it's the money to get an education, uh, whether it's the opportunity uh, geographically or in other ways, there can be educational challenges that we face and want to overcome. Um, Another one might be geographical. Um, Sometimes people live in an area that is just simply not conducive to a successful and thriving lifestyle that they want to have. And so they find themselves needing to relocate. Uh, The most frequent, I think, that comes to mind is an economic combination there where people want to move for a job. But there can be other reasons that uh, geography presents a challenge, and some people simply have to figure out how they're going to do that. Sometimes they change what they're doing where they are. Sometimes they literally change where they are. But there can be geographical challenges. I jotted down one other one, and I just called it uh, kind of with a, with a blanket statement. I called it dysfunctional challenges, and those are sometimes uh, things that are handed to us um, by our circumstances. Uh, sometimes, though, they're self-inflicted, um, and we have to have to be careful about those. Uh, if a person says, well, "Well, my goal in life is to to really look good." Uh, and uh maybe there's just not much to work with there, well you're always going to face a challenge. Maybe you've set your gold uh out of place and sort of a dysfunctional gold and and uh, something you couldn't achieve anyway, so it it can it can be um, just a series of things that comes through life that throw up barriers to us. And um, if we experience these these dis- dysfunctionalities uh, of personality disorders and and, and uh, character disorders and things like that, uh, we can we can find ourselves facing an uphill climb, whatever life may bring us. So, if we've all got challenges, and again, that was a very short, just uh, sort of spontaneous list. I'm sure there are many, many more, and, and many more that uh, on levels of difficulty and degrees. But uh, since we know those are the givens, let's let's say, well, what about overcoming challenges? Uh, I, th- I think the statement that comes most frequently to mind to anybody who's thought about this very much is the old statement that uh, the maxim that comes out of the athletic world which simply says no pain no gain often in challenges we find ourselves having to undergo some type of of change that and any any change is painful Um, sometimes it's just simply doing something differently than we've done it before and as innocuous as that may sound Uh, doing something differently has a certain amount of pain attached to it. Uh, but back to the athletic example, you know, muscle tissue, it is said that when we stress muscle, muscle tissue, if we wanted to, to build up our bodies and our strength and our, our bulk a little bit for uh, the sake of, of uh, having a healthy body, it's it said that we put the muscle tissue under stress. And by putting that muscle tissue under stress, we actually slightly tear it um, and then it heals over and two things happen there. Number one, that point of healing becomes stronger than the original muscle and we find the muscle totally overall strengthened. Uh, and the other thing is, is that it, it's, it's more n- likely going to add some, some bulk. And sometimes uh, the bulk of our muscles is what protects our, our skeletal frame. And so um, we know that from, from ath- this athletic example, that the idea of no pain, no gain, the fact that we're going to actually tear things up a little to rebuild them even stronger than they were, not only works in the physical world, uh, but it also works in the psychological and spiritual world as well. I gave you a short list a minute ago of some challenges, and I think all of us would, would understand that a unique challenge uh, has a unique way of overcoming that challenge. Uh, for example, we started out talking about the the physical pain that, that comes to mind when people are physically challenged. And um, again, later in the show, when we're on a guest, we're going to talk to a lady who went through uh, months and years of rehabilitation from a physical injury. And so uh, we know that, that there's a, a physical solution, a rehabilitative and restorative solution to a physical injury or illness. Um, but when we move into something like the financial or economic challenge, uh, we also realize that there's got to be a corresponding Uh, pain that goes along with that. Uh, People may find themselves if they lack financial resources having to work a little harder, Uh, maybe work a second job, maybe work hours that are uh, not their preferable times to work. They may have to do jobs that are a little bit less pleasant than the ones that they would really like to do. So there's pain again involved in the overcoming of an economic or financial challenge. Uh, Educational challenge, Um, If it's simply uh, difficult for us, if if academic uh, excellence is a a difficult achievement and an uphill climb for people, they just have to study harder. That may mean loss of sleep. Um, It may mean um, that other things, other more pleasurable activities are cut out for the sake of additional study. All of us have known somebody um, for which uh, academic success comes somewhat easy, and then we've known people who have to work very, very hard. Those who have to work very, very hard have to give up things. Once again, there comes the pain factor. There's just pain seemingly involved in any gain that helps us overcome a challenge. And I think uh, another way to look at this, if we look at challenges and we look at their unique uh, uh, possible solutions and how we deal with them. There's another question here, which uh, which fits into the theme of our show, which is how's is it different uh, when we're we're living Christian living that counts. Uh, what what difference does it make to be a Christian when we're facing challenges? Um, what's different about a Christian facing them, say, as a person without Christian faith? I think the very first thing that comes to mind for for a Christian is hope um the other people can can have hope but we have a a biblical basis and a um a faith that believes that essentially god's on our side and regardless of whatever challenge life has dealt us um that we have a hope for a better outcome and um, uh, paul in in his writings uh, wrote to us that um, we are to grieve but not as those who have no hope so if you would to go to, to uh, Concordance and look up the word hope uh, in the New Testament, you would find so many occurrences because part of the Christian life is that hope uh, that tells us things may be difficult now, but there's a hope that they will be different and better in the future. So I think, I think hope is an essential part. Uh, of the of the Christian uh, who is facing challenges in his or her life um, and so there's there's no question that that gives a Christian advantage. Entering into any conflict with hope is much easier of course than doing it without it. Another one is that we're not alone. We have a community of other people who are believers like we are, and we can find support that comes from that community as we tap into our Christian brothers and sisters and our friends uh, in Christ with a common faith. and They surround us and support us and with prayer and encouragement. And then the last thing is um, that God's power We believe God's power is on our side. We're not out here working in our own strength. We can access the strength of God in our lives, and Christ can live through us. And so that makes the Christian able to approach challenges totally uh, differently and and with a greater set of resources than the person without faith. We're going to go away here for a minute uh, to commercial break. We come back, we'll have a guest that will talk about the hope and the overcoming she's done in her life. Stay with us.
0: We'll return in a moment with host Steve Russell and Christian Living That Counts.
1: Many Christians worry about how to share their faith. They even feel guilty about not sharing. Hi, this is Steve Russell, host of Christian Living That Counts on toginet.com. Christians sharing their faith feel awkward and bothersome sometimes, but my friend Bobby Bateman has a unique way to break the ice and open the door for a casual conversation. Join us soon for the interview with Bobby about his unique idea or learn more now at his website. It's personal to Once again, that website is itspersonaltous.com.
2: Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer.
1: Welcome back to Christian Living That Counts. This is Steve Russell, your host and guest on the telephone, Patty Foster from Jacksonville, Texas. Patty has a great story, one I'm sure she would uh, just as soon have done without, but she fits right into the question that we're facing today about how Christians uh, encounter their challenges and how they deal with them. So, Patty, welcome to the show and, and thanks for being with us.
3: Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that.
1: Well, you're more than welcome. I'm going to tell just a little bit because you can you can certainly do better than than I at explaining for, mm-hmm. where you're coming from, but. If, if I'm doing my math correctly, you just passed the 13th anniversary last month of a, a very uh, traumatic uh, car wreck and injury to your to yourself that uh, uh, no one, I think, anywhere would deny your recovery as being anything less than miraculous, um, mm. and they can go – uh, anyone can go into any search engine and, and Google Patty Foster, and you're going to come up with uh, multiple uh, stories and, and descriptions of what you went through. Um, and so, I'm, uh, being beyond that, I, I want to deal with some questions too that are beyond that. But just just kind of briefly, um, in that past 13 years and what happened 13 years ago, kind of give the listeners an idea of, of what you what you encountered, what you've gone through.
3: Sure. It was on June 18, 2002, when truly, like you said, life changed completely, had no expectation that things were about to change so uh, outlandishly as they happened. Uh, we were on our way to a Bible study, there were four ladies in a Tahoe on our way to meet the others. We were just a lot of young professionals who were meeting, who were growing in God and experiencing Him, and learning from one another. I had bought flowers for all the ladies in the study. It was our last meeting before taking a summer break. The, the uh, flowers were in a basket behind my seat. I was sitting behind the driver. You can envision this with me. We all had our seatbelts on, good law-abiding citizens. We had stopped at a red light intersection in the evening, probably about 640, 645, when uh, I had taken off my seatbelt to turn and check on the flowers I had bought. That's exactly when the impact happened. A semi pulling a trailer full of cars, barreling down the highway at 70 miles per hour, plowed into the back of our Tahoe. And from there, Steve, life changed. It ejected me out of the back opposite side of the Tahoe. Because remember, I was behind the driver. Well, the opposite side back window is where my head and body just pelted it so hard that out I went and up into the air, eyewitnesses said that when I came down, my body skidded some three stories across the highway and landed in a lane of traffic.
4: Mm.
3: Apparently, a truck who was watching it all happen pulled in front of my body to hold any oncoming traffic from running over me and smash wow. me on the highway. Mm. They thought I was dead at the scene. They pulled the white sheet over me, the EMS, when they were looking for a pulse, no post to be phoned. As eyewitnesses covered me, Steve, and some, they joined hands. They didn't even know each other, but they began to pray. They had no idea who I was. I'd been a radio person there for over a decade, but they had no idea. And apparently, sometime in those seconds, one of the eyewitnesses heard a gurgling noise coming from beneath that white sheet. Mm-hmm. That's when Life Flight Helicopter was contacted by the EMS landed at the scene, and Steve, when the flight medic, flight nurse, tried to put me on the gurney to stabilize me and get me onto the life flight helicopter, everything in me shut down. My body fell into a coma that lasted some six weeks, Mm -hmm. and no one had any idea if I would endure, if I would live, what would I be like. If I did live, would I be the same Patty that they had known? All of those years on the radio and had 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 watched God work, no one knew
1: hmm. Hmm. well, i'll tell you what anybody listening to that story it's almost it it almost causes physical pain to just to listen to it um and imagine what you went through, which no one really can. Um, I guess it's the grace of God that sometimes when those things happen, you, you probably have not a lot of thought. I think I remember reading something that said the last thing you remember was looking back at those flowers. And so probably that, that thing that looks to us to be so hor- horrifying was essentially kind of erased from your uh, your memory. Um, and-
3: right. I have no memory of it. I have no memory. I'm so blessed that, like you said, Steve, it's, I, I have no memory of it the last time. That I remember anything is turning to look at the flowers, but thank the lord i don 't have the nightmares and the details and the memories to remember or have that problem with
1: right and and let's let 's say right now that a lot of people under different circumstances uh, who've had to endure other challenges. They do have traumatic memories and, and so forth. So, um, in, in that case, uh, you're, you're blessed. And in the other cases, they have something even additionally uh, to need God's power to overcome. So, um, uh, I'm grateful that, you know, for your circumstance, but also know there are other people who don't experience that. And they, in, in turn, have those, those traumatic uh, memories to deal with. So, um,
3: you know, Stephen, you're mentioning that reminds me I just read a quote within the last hour. That someone said to the effect, do the next thing and stop replaying stuff in your mind. Walk on.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, Yeah. And... You know, I, I need to tell the listeners, I, I was joking with you uh, via email. I said, you know, this is like some high school girl asking Meryl Streep if she wants to be in the school play. Uh, <laughs> you, you alluded to the fact that you were a radio personality, personality here in northeast Texas for about 10 years, I think, and then moved away briefly and came back home to Jacksonville. And And so this, this accident literally happened just uh, within miles of where I'm sitting and, and you're sitting um, right here at home. And so um, – uh, thus began your journey. And also, I remember one of the things I, I mentioned to you in the email, that you, you know, we have these plans for life. They can be vague or they can be very specific, but we basically all have some kind of plan. And I want to go back to that moment where, as, as you and I both said, life changed for you forever. Um, all of a sudden, whatever plans you had, you talk about getting put on hold, uh, but th- they were just absolutely suspended and, and I remember two of the things you said that is so difficult for people who have experienced the, the TBI, the traumatic brain injuries, uh, the two three things that are very, very difficult are, are attention and focus. And yet you really didn't have any choice. Um, you you were in a coma uh, and, and re- your body recovering and healing uh, as God allowed it. And, and then uh, when you did finally come out of consciousness, I think you've described it kind of as coming out of this dense fog gradually. Um, and, and I, and again, um, I just, um, I know that you've told this story so many times and so well, but it, uh, it, it, it just, it, it begs a, a lot of questions. And I think, and this is 13 years. And I think everybody would want you to say a minute, uh, a minute's worth of how are you today? How, what, what happened? What are the results? And where are you?
3: Mm-hmm. Today, I would say I'm probably around, I'd say, 85% of where I was before the accident of my abilities or capabilities. But I am i am not giving up. I continue to try and don't give up. And others help me. And I have found as well, Steve, when I'm able to help others, that in turn automatically helps me.
4: Mm-hmm. Because when
3: I get down and I'm having a tough, tough time of of what I can't remember or what I have difficulty doing or my balance uh, and dropping things and almost falling and having to catch myself and so many things that are not obvious to, to the naked eye uh, that can really affect a person's, uh, you know, that, that courage to keep trying.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I find that when I get to give to others, it helps me.
4: Mm-hmm. And so
3: with that said, I have become an official volunteer for Bumpsy, That's Baylor University Medical Center. Mm-hmm. That's where I was at the rehab downtown Dallas when I began waking up from the coma. And they're the ones, Steve, that God used to teach me how to see, how to speak, how to walk, how to talk, uh, how to speak in a complete sentence. They, they taught me my ABCs. A one, two three so so my attitude today is one of perseverance. Hmm. That's really my key word. Don't give up, patty, yeah, keep drawing, keep going
1: yeah, and I think too there's a uh, what I hear kind of is a a story of healing, but it's not over it's a continual no, there's there's that's right. there's more healing right. that that occurs every day. Uh, and right. it's probably not only physical, it's uh, it's emotional, it's spiritual uh, growth. Um, you know, I, I was thinking as you were speaking, nobody that I know would ever choose to have the kind of story you have. Nobody chooses a survivor story. Um, right. I've, I've heard Medal of Honor winners, um, when they are um, re- receive all these accolades for their bravery, their response is, I was just doing my job. You know I was there. it was mine to do, and I did it um in your case, again, you didn't choose this, and nobody no nobody would but on the other hand i've I've heard very few people, particularly no people I can think of of christian a deep Christian faith, that didn't eventually th- thank god um i mean sure, they'd rather done without it, but they they gained so much through it. Um, that they give great testimonies about um, um, what happened and what growth they experienced, and is that that's true for you as well? I guess.
3: Well, even as you speak that, it reminds me. I'm very much in agreement with you when you said that because I'm very thankful for the suffering because of what it's taught me. Steve, very much like Romans five of 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 that thankfulness for the suffering, for the hard times, for the tribulation, for the stuff that doesn't make sense to us, because I've learned endurance, I've learned perseverance, and, and I'm being taught that character, and my character is really, is, is teaching that hope and that, that love, and it doesn't, how uh, the love of God, for me personally, this is me, I know everyone doesn't agree with me, but, but my personal relationship with Christ is huge, and what a huge carrier it has been for me throughout the whole time, through the coma, through the long journey of having to relearn to do all these basic functions of living because I could do nothing. And, uh, and the cognitive skills. In fact, you may be familiar with Susan Connors. She's the president, the founder of Brain Injury Association of America. I'm sorry, president and CEO. She once said, uh, brain injury is often invisible since changes are on the inside. Yeah. And that's very true because it's very more um, debilitating in the emotional, the mental, the cognitive realm. Right. It is in the physical, but it's less in the
1: physical right. overall. P- Patty, hold that just a minute. I want to come right back and pick up right where you are with that thought. So hold on to it, and we'll be back in just a minute.
0: We'll return in a moment with host Steve Russell and Christian Living That Counts.
1: I want to tell you about the special underwriting sponsor of Christian Living That Counts. This is show host Steve Russell to introduce you to the Prefert family of Mount Pleasant, Texas. Prefert Manufacturing was founded by the late Marvin Prefert of born inventor who moved his growing business to the heart of cattle country in northeast Texas in 1962. Since then, Prefert Manufacturing has become the leader in the highest quality of farm, ranch, and rodeo equipment, employing over 800 people and shipping their products worldwide. Bill Prefert, Marvin's son, assumed the leadership of the company in 1988 after the unexpected passing of his father, Marvin. Today, under their dad's watchful eye, the third generation of Bill's sons, Eddie, Nate, and Travis are carrying on the family tradition and business, including the Christian faith that they quickly credit with much of their success and growth. I'm proud to call the prefert's friends and appreciate their making the internet radio broadcast of Christian living that counts possible. Learn more about this dedicated Christian family and their outstanding business at Prefert.com. That's P R I E F E R T.com. Homeschooling?
2: Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on TogiNet.com.
0: Returning with more of Christian Living that counts. Your host, Steve Russell.
1: Welcome back to Christian Living that counts. We're on the phone with um, Patty in Jacksonville, Texas, and we're glad to have her as a guest. And she's telling her story. And you just got to a point about um, uh, telling a story about a lady, uh, Miss Connors. And pick up there, Patty, and take us take us for.
3: Sure. Just simply saying that often with brain injury. It's not always obvious to the naked eye. Very often, when it comes to brain injury, seeing is not leading because it's not visible. Because much of it, the deficits that are long-term that you learn to cope with and adjust to and live with, are often invisible—the cognitive, the mental, the emotional.
4: Hmm. So
3: there's a lot. There are so many different deficits and levels that each person, uh, you know, they are affected by. However, comma. We have one another and how we can pass along hope not to give up and hope that we can listen. Those of us who get it, who understand, how we can help one another and those families who have questions. What a huge medicine that is, Steve. Right. And how people need people.
1: You know, uh, I guess in a way it's somewhat like mental illness in in the sense that you don't see it on the outside always. Um, sure, and, yep. and so, um you know I was thinking uh, and and here 's where I want you to uh, step out of 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 your experience for a minute and and be philosophical and and, and that is uh, the idea that most people, hopefully uh, and, and we know statistically, are not going to go through uh, what you went through, obviously, you have a ministry and a message uh, clearly for people with the traumatic brain. Injuries, But what does Patty Foster do to um, what does she say to the people who are suffering these these small challenges in life, but they're they're just eating their lunches, you know, they they're almost mm. embarrassed to tell a person like you about them because they haven't been through what you've been through but yet they're still devastating to them. How, how do you speak to that group of people um, who are just going through more of what we might call the everyday challenges? What, what's your message to them? I'm sure it's similar, but, but uh, elaborate on that a little bit.
3: Mm, sure. I think the power of presence is very important, Steve, to be present with a person, to listen to a person, to engage a person, listen to what they say. Don't, in, don't, you know, uh, step on what you're saying. Don't step on the silence. Allow them to finish their sentences or ask the questions or make the comments or whatever comes out of their mouth. Listening is a huge medicine, mm. and your being present is a very powerful, healthy medicine. Um, also, you know, you, I heard you use the word small. I believe truly small things do matter. Mm. I believe details matter. I believe paying attention does matter. Now, where did that come from? It came from mine that I had to learn to get it. And that's how I think. That's what I depend on to maneuver second by second, moment by moment. I have to think and pay attention. It doesn't come normally to me anymore. There's no more taking for granted for my brain any longer. So I pass along to those going through anything, no, no matter what the situation or the level Everything is, imp- is important to each person. Mm. I truly believe each person has a story to tell. I encourage each person who's listening to find your story. Mm. Write down your story. Tell your story. Listen to others' stories. Be a part of, not the only one. And also, as I said, write it down. Don't forget, ask for help. That's magnanimous for us, it's Especially, I I, I find we have great difficulty in America in the lower 48 to ask for help. Pride is so incredibly sensational these days. But we need one another. So may we choose to persevere and request help. What a difference it can make.
1: Hmm. Excellent. Excellent. I've jotted down all four. Um, uh, (laughs) Listening, um, the presence, just being there. Um, and this getting your own story and i think that was uh, that's really crucial because i know there are people that are that are, are suffering small things overcoming them and they think well but i don't have you know i i don't have a big story so what what is my story important the answer is yes um uh, and then the last thing you you mentioned was asking for help and you're exactly right we uh, we even as christians and maybe terribly so but, you know it's kind of a uh, maybe a plague of the christian american we're that independent christian which is almost mm-hmm. oxymoronic uh we mm-hmm. we probably shouldn't be so independent as christians we should seek mm-hmm. constant interdependence on not only on christ and uh, power of the holy spirit but also on one another so excellent mm-hmm. excellent advice mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. you know and 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 i was thinking too about our our conversation and and i remembered this, that C.S. Lewis is famously quoting is quoted as saying uh, that pain is God's megaphone to which He gets our attention, um, yeah. and um, you know Lewis made that statement before he ever met uh, Joy Gresham. Um, he he was he, theoretical about love, and then when he fell in love and and um, lost this woman uh, to cancer. His pain was so much real, and I I think he's one who realized that um, um, you know the the experience and and suffering is an enormous teacher. He what he thought he knew uh, was nothing compared to what he knew after he persevered, endured, and and learned to literally live uh, uh, with the the suffering and adapt to it. I know some people said. we don't ever get over it. We get used to it sometimes, yeah. and, and God's, well, God's power does that too. Go ahead.
3: It reminds me, Steve, of Galatians 6, 9, and 10, where, he, where Paul reminds us, let us not, because we, we do grow weary. Mm-hmm. We do have a heavy heart. We do have heavy souls. We do have, have, have hearts that are really laden with hard, hard, difficult times and memories and things and people and situations. Paul says, let us not grow weary in doing good. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Mm-hmm. Verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, you got to watch for those, you got to look for those. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, mm-hmm. especially to those who belong to the household of faith. Yeah. Amen. We need one another.
1: Excellent from Paul. Excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, you said something earlier that that, um, that I think opens a, a question that might we might uh, here be easing out on some uh, thinner ice, but let, let's think out loud for a minute. You mentioned the question people had, will Patty who survives be the same Patty? And I know that in, in our world today we're facing, a, a, I read a statistic today that said one in six Um, uh, elderly people would be, uh, candidates for Alzheimer's. Um, and I know that Christian families often have to endure these, uh, terrible, uh, mental deficiencies that occur and progress, uh, even unto death. Um, but we, we as Christians, um, have this, this hope, not just in this world, uh, but, uh, did you get any insight about being the same Patty? Um, and and how does that speak to um, others maybe who are seeing their loved ones um, endure these kinds of changes and loss?
3: Mm. Again, I come back. The power of presence is so enormously important. To be present doesn't mean you always have to talk. It doesn't mean you always have to be busy. It doesn't mean you always have to be doing, but be present. Mm -hmm. And that also leads me, Steve, to the way it was when I began waking up from the coma. The very first language that I learned was not English or French or German. It was simply nonverbal communication. Hmm. It was the eyes, the facial expression, the tone of voice, the touch, the speed of speech, the way a person stood, the gait of walking. All of those things played a major role in my responding or not responding. Hmm. And I learned later uh, that um, some 93% of communication is nonverbal. Only 7% to 10% is verbal. Wow. Only the nouns and pronouns and 25-cent words and impressive things make up 7% or 10% of communication. So that other whopping 93 to 90% is nonverbal. So that simply leads me to this question that came to me three or four years after I began waking up from a coma. The question, what does your life say when your mouth is not moving? <laughs> that either draws people toward us or <laughs> repels them away.
4: Wow. And I
3: think it's very powerful as we, we help one another or deal with situations to help others have hope that what are we saying nonverbally when our mouth is not moving? What is our life saying? And maybe it's more necessary that our life speak
1: that our mouths move. Hmm. One other question I want us to move into, and again, we're not going to answer. This question is probably thousands and thousands of years old. Um, Some say maybe one of the first books of the Bible written was the book of Job. And uh, when we come back in just a minute, I'm I'm going to ask you uh, how you dealt with the question, um, why me? Uh, when you encountered this, what uh, what did God speak to your heart uh, in terms of why this thing happened to you and took place in your life? Because I know many many people, even the most faithful Christians, uh, when the challenges come in life, often that's a major question and a and something they have to deal with in their relationship with God. So when we come back, Patty, um, be be thinking about that, and we'll um, we'll attack that question together. Y'all stay with us.
0: We'll return in a moment with host Steve Russell and Christian Living That Counts.
1: Hey friends, this is Steve Russell, host of Christian Living That Counts. I want to introduce you to my friend David Taylor. He's celebrating his 35th anniversary as a financial advisor. David is a CPA and has recently written a book to answer the need of so many ladies who came to his office after the passing of their husbands. Often they knew nothing of their financial details or status. David's book is called The Comprehensive Widow Survival Guide. Be listening for my interview with David soon and learn how you can get your copy of the Comprehensive widow's Survival Guide.
2: I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on TogiNet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be, I'm Free, with Minister Diane Jones, Monday nights at 10, 9 central on TogiNet.com.
0: Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts, your host, Steve Russell.
1: Welcome back to Christian Living That Counts. This is host Steve Russell with Patty Foster on the phone in Jacksonville, Texas. And we're just about to go over to one of those questions that's been asked for thousands of years and was first probably asked by uh, Job in the Bible when he said, Why me? Uh, That may be the modern translation, but it sums up pretty much uh, what happened to him when he had to face the difficulties when a just man um, ends up uh, with um, such adversity in his life. Uh, back uh, almost, uh, gosh, almost 40 years ago, Rabbi Harold Kushner wrote a book, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. And it's sort of that uh, that that plaguing uh, question that, that humanity has to ask for itself. And so because Patty Foster went through so much difficulty in recovering from her traumatic accident, uh, I asked her, what she learned when she asked that question as inevitably we all do why me why why did this happen to me patty what did you how did you deal with that what came what came from hmm. that
3: hmm. well i stayed very close to god i was always talking to him even when i couldn't speak with others or understand others or feed myself or anything else but you know it was very odd see because that question actually didn't come up to me like that, mm-hmm. as as to why me, or why Lord, or what's up with all this. <laughs> as I work, as I work through everything, uh, my my thoughts keep going back to not giving up, and that keeps coming back to me. But I I, I didn't ask about why me, and I remember people have asked me that often.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Now why didn't I ask that? I don't know, but. I remember as I would wake up, as I would come, you know, and, and learning to live, I would ask so often about the others in the wreck, and I wanted to know about them.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But that question about why me was not one that that stayed with me or that was a part of my brain that rolled inside of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was always big to me of, what what do you want to learn? Use me. I was very much like Corey Ten Boom would say, open-handed, palms up, of use me, God. Because like you said, I'd been in radio. I'd been a radio personality in Christian radio for more than a decade, down south in Texas, Louisiana, up north in Michigan and Indiana, doing voiceovers for TV and radio and all kinds of things for over. Well, over 10 years, like I said, and and suddenly life changed because that didn't match into my plans at all. I had no idea what TBI stood for, Mm -hmm. but I learned firsthand, and that's where it's changed me. So now I travel around the world. I have a wonderful PhD who travels with me. She specializes in traumatic brain injury, and now we simply reach out to not only the survivors of brain injury, and the family members, caregivers of brain injury, but also, Steve, to the medical personnel. Um, In fact, in a couple of weeks, I'll be speaking for some medical personnel as they get their CEU credits uh, dealing with traumatic brain injury, and often I travel and speak at brain injury conferences where some of the leading TDI researchers are present on the program along with the neuropsychs and neurosurgeons, trauma RNs, so forth. So there's incredible ways that God uses what the evil one intended for harm mm. for what is being new, doing now, being done now, for the saving of many lives, and that's very direct out of Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, mm. and how He's making that real to me. Just like you said about C.S. Lewis, He had written that before uh, His wife, He met her and then lost her to cancer. But look at the depth of firsthand experience that he he learned he tasted and he really went deeper into uh, what my my relationship with with God was very deep before the wreck mm-hmm. but when I went through it and how it affected me, things can make a person bitter or better we've heard that so often right. for me it was better. it took me deeper into my walk with him so that all of these things that I had believed before became even more real to me. More, there was more depth to my character, to the person I am, to my walk with my God. Yes.
1: You know, um, even as you're answering, answering that and talking about how that question did not plague you, um, I realize that, uh, and this may be something every Christian needs to ask about themselves, um, uh, am I open-handed palms up? Uh, am I asking God to use me? Am I willing uh, to do that when we offer ourselves as this living sacrifice and we take up our cross daily? Do we mean it? Um, and and I think you, you said something that— um, that is a very key factor in, in your walk with the Lord, and it should be a part of ours. You were being used of God and open to being used by God before this big story uh, that has dominated your life since then for the last 13 years, before that ever happened. And so when this came into your life, um, it, it was like the next chapter. Um, and there was, I, I almost heard a sense of instant ownership. Um, this has become what God has for me to do now, um, and um, um, not only, of course, did it provide a great encouragement to TBI sufferers and and recoverers and to their families, but uh, just the story of the journey of faith uh, as well. But I think I think the Christians who who sincerely in their hearts um, are are at the place where they are ready to be used. Uh, when things like this come into their lives, it becomes a the next chapter. It becomes this is what God has for me now, um, and that that go, goes back to kind of that 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 issue that we we have dreams and we have plans, but uh, but I think the book of James tells us uh, it's okay to do those things as long as we say if the Lord wills. <laughs> Um, mm, yeah. Because it can always mm. come that caveat in there, uh, mm. and, and uh, all of a sudden we find ourselves uh, put into a position, and then it becomes our job to do. But 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 I, th- but I think what Christians learn in, in their maturity is they have that readiness of acceptance faster. Uh, the more mature their faith is, then when the adversities come, they begin to actually recognize them. Um, they, they don't They don't walk around looking for them or praying for them or asking God, hey, hey you got something tougher than this for me? Uh, <laughs> you know, nobody asked that question. But at the same time, when those tougher things come, there's a quicker ownership and a recognition. Aha, here's one of those opportunities Paul talked about. Um, That's right. And so, um, you
3: know, Steve, yeah. I even noticed you said the word now, and it reminded me that through all of this, and it was only a few years ago, but but God helped to mature and develop in me my motto for living now, and it's simply MAD Now. And the M-A-D stand for words, Make a Difference Now. Because hmm. we never know how many days we have left, yeah. nor do we know what quality of time that will be. Right. So while we have this moment, lay hold of it. And so many of us are busy, so I say, okay, write it down. Keep Post-it notes by you. Keep sticky notes by you. Keep just a piece of paper or trash. Write yourself a note so that when that moment comes, when you are able to write the note, make the call, um, you know, take someone to lunch, take someone to coffee, have hot tea and bickies, or have a moment together, or just listen to someone. Lay hold of those moments because small things do matter. They do make a difference. Make a difference now.
1: Yeah. Well, and you've nailed it. Now is all we've got. Uh, no. Can't do much no. about the yesterdays and don't know what tomorrow has, and now is what we have. So, Excellent, excellent mm-hmm. advice, Patty Foster. Thank you so much. We could talk for hours, and it would all sure. be good. You, God's just uh, blessed you with a restored articulation. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's eighty-five mm-hmm. percent, but uh, I'll tell you what—it's it, mm-hmm. great for what the way God has used you. We we bless God for you. We pray for you, and and uh, hope that your ministry continues for years and years to come. And thank you for sharing the insights God's given you with us.
3: Thank you. And Steve, may I give you just two websites for your listeners to touch base when they need that encouragement from brain injury survivors? Absolutely. Uh, Okay, great. Thanks. They can visit hopeafterbraininjury.org. That's hope, H-O-P-E-A-F-T-E-R-B-R-A-I-N-I-N-J-U-R-Y.org. Or they can also go by my website pattyfoster.com. That's P-A-T-T-I-F-O-S-T-E-R.com. I I would love to hear from you.
1: Thank you, Patty. Thanks for joining us. May have to have you back. Super. I will look forward to it. All right. Bye now. Bye. We've had a great visit with Patty Foster from Jacksonville, Texas. 13 years last month, anniversary of Surviving one of the most dramatic um, accidents, traffic accidents imaginable, lost the life of one of her dear friends in the automobile with her. And Patty has pieced back her life together in God's grace and God's power over these 13 years and has um, Stood tall among um, Christian faith, uh, and many, many people look to Patty, uh, not only because of her story um, about her recovery from a traumatic brain injury, but also her story and walk of faith. And uh, we're just so grateful to have visited with her. I challenge each one of you, again, with Patty's uh, words, listen to everybody going through a challenge. Your ability to listen uh, is a tremendous gift to them. And then the fact that you're simply there, you're present with them and you are letting them uh, open themselves up and their and their struggles with you. Another tremendous gift you can give to people who are facing life's challenges. Um, and then to find your own story. Uh, Patty challenged us to find your story and what God's done in your life to help you overcome the challenges. And no matter how big or small you think it is, is probably someone else going through the same thing who greatly benefit from hearing your song of victory as well. The last thing, and a good way to close, is that all of us as Christians not only should be dependent on Christ and not ourselves, but dependent on one another. Lose our uh, arrogant independence and seek one another uh, when we're in struggles, knowing that there is great community to be found in the love of Christ Jesus and those who believe in it and his power. We want to thank you so much for joining us this week. We'll be back next week with Christian Living That Counts. This is Steve Russell, your host. Thanks so much for being with us.
0: Steve Russell returns next week at the same time discussing how renewed lives can make a difference in a broken world. Join us again for Christian Living That Counts.